What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Combo Church Podcast. My name is Craig. And my name is Kara, and we are the lead pastors of Combo Church. If you are listening on combochurch.com, iTunes, or Spotify, make sure you subscribe, follow, and like. We love it when you share with your family and friends, and we would love it if you could leave us a great review. Our prayer for you is that the message today will inspire purpose, encourage life, and build faith in you. Enjoy Enjoy the the message. message. And will you stand up and just welcome Pastor Doug as he comes to preach the word today. Amen. You can be seated. Uh, good to see everyone. Can you, can you clap your hands for Jesus one more time and just like, yeah. Come on, how many people love Jesus today? Let's go. Man, it's so good to, to be here. The last time that we were here, we did a leadership meeting uh, with, with you guys. We did a leadership meeting in this building, but it wasn't your church then. And when Donna and I left the building that day and we got on the plane, uh, we were saying to each other, man, that would be the perfect building for them in their season. Like, I wish they had that building. And then I turn around, and the next time we're here, come on, look what God did. You guys are in the building, and uh, it really is phenomenal. Um, I have a, a couple of people I want to introduce to you. I brought some friends with me today. Uh, I have Dustin and Chelsea are over here, Robbins. Will you guys stand? Will you welcome them? Just say hello. These are our hospitality directors at our church. <laughs> These guys are phenomenal. She has a cup of coffee in her hand, and if you were to come to our church, she, she would be pushing like drugs, coffee like, like a drug dealer into everybody's hand, but it always comes with a prayer and a prophetic word. So these guys are phenomenal, and they're just hanging out with us and, and uh, being friendly. And I, I have known them for a long time. I, I did forget about that. I, I preached on the East Coast at your youth camp. We got on a plane and flew to the West Coast to her youth camp. And um, yeah, God, God's, God's good, you know, he had a plan. And uh, both of you got saved, that was the plan. You both got saved two weeks in a row. It was awesome, the Lord was getting ready to do some powerful year. Both of them got, became Christians right there. And I have known Craig for a long time. I've known him since he was 5'3". Um, so I think that was the first grade or second grade or something. And <laughs> sixth grade, oh, okay, all right. Sixth grade, but well, will you will you do me a favor and just just tell your pastors how much you love them? You know, it's been a it's been a long eighteen months, hasn't it, pastors? So uh, God's good. They're doing such a good job, and we're so proud of all of you and and um, and just you know walking through this season has been has been something you know in itself. And uh, God is moving. Amen. God's moving and God's doing some incredible things in the world despite everything that we see on the news and despite everything that we have experienced the last 18 months. I actually want to talk about that a little bit, but God has been doing some incredible things. And I just, Dawn and I just want you to know how much we love you and, and pray for you guys. And we're on the phone with uh, Craig and Kara all year long. Uh, probably at least once or twice a month, Craig and I are on the phone talking about church and, and praying together and and believe in big for you guys. I, I really feel like like this next season is going to be a season of, I don't want to say growth because I want to define growth a little bit here in a minute, but, but a season of depth, a season of the passion of Jesus coming back into our lives in a new and fresh way, right? That's what we want. Um, I, want to, I want to talk this morning, I want to talk this morning on a subject that is kind of a, kind of a big deal, I think, in the 
in the last few you know, months. I mean, this, is, this has been a, a, an 18 months that we'll never forget for the rest of our lives. The last time I, I saw them in person, no, it was, it was a year ago, so, but it, it was 18 months ago. It was actually the, the weekend the pandemic broke out was the first time. So they were with us when the pandemic broke out, right? So I thought maybe it was all their fault. I'm like, you're here, pandemic, get out of town as fast, fast as you can. But we were with a group of pastors at our church, and uh, there was, I don't know, maybe 40 or 50 of them. I can't, I can't remember, but it was Friday morning, and all of a sudden I'd heard that there was a, a something going on in the country, didn't know what it was, you know, wasn't quite clued in. Then all of a sudden, you know, you're with 50 lead couples, and all of a sudden on Friday morning during our little conference, everybody's cell phones start going off, and people start running for the airport, like right in the middle of my message. I mean, pe- literally, people were just standing up and waving at me at the back of the church and just running for the airport. I didn't know what was going on. Uh, the next thing I know, people are are doing their sermons for Sunday in the parking lot. They're doing them in the hallway. They're asking us for help. You know, some churches didn't have cameras. They weren't online yet. And the whole world just kind of fell apart. And then do you remember, do you remember when that happened on March 14th? You remember, and we were all convinced that by Easter, a few weeks later, it would be over. I was like, all this thing will be done by Easter, you know. And then, and then at Easter, we were like, wow, it, it'll be done by the fall. I mean, that would be insane if this was still going on in August. I mean, that would be like a, a sci-fi movie, you know. We're all making jokes about sci-fi movies. It would be like a movie. And then August came, and then Christmas came, and then the next Easter came. And I had a really bad attitude on that Easter. I'm telling you right now. Like, that was not a good Easter for anyone who was online with me. Because, you know, Easter's the Super Bowl at church, and now my Super Bowl had been reduced to me and like a really apathetic camera guy. And it's at a certain point during the Easter message, Donald will tell you this, I actually just yelled at him. And I was like, you will say amen to me right now. Like, you will say amen. And everybody online heard it. It's like, everybody who's online, listen, camera guy, say amen. I needed help. I needed encouragement. And then Easter, and then it kept going, and then it was the next, and then all of a sudden we're in a year and a year and a half, and, and the world has changed. And, you know, there is, a, there, there is a new normal that we have to, you know, kind of wrestle with, but in the middle of the new normal, there are a couple of things that will never change in the kingdom of God, regardless of, of pandemics or earthquakes or, or things going on in the world. There's a couple of things that are above all that, that are spiritual in nature, that will never change. And I think we've had to learn that in the last 18 months. It's been insane. When, we, when the pandemic broke out, our church was in a great season. We have a, a long story on our church in 10 years. You know, we, we traveled a lot around. You know, we didn't have a permanent location. We didn't have a building. So in five years, uh, we had around 25 locations in five years, if you can imagine. Uh, every week I had, to, I had to use Twitter and Facebook to tell everybody where church was every Sunday. I had to say to people every Sunday, I love you all. God bless you. Next Sunday, if you can find us, you can worship with us. Everyone have a great day. And I literally said that, and then everyone would laugh, but I was dead serious. Um, we finally had landed in a building, and the church was starting to grow at a rate, uh, an exponential rate for the first time in, in really about eight years. 
we were slow and steady church, slow and steady growth, a few people every month, eight years, just, just duking it out, traveling around, making it happen, and all of a sudden the church just kind of goes boom, and our classes are full, and we don't know what's going on, but we are having a great time. People are getting saved, and we're going to two services in two weeks, and then it hit. And what was interesting is that, that it was so crazy in our church, in a good way, that I was actually trying to lead the church well. I was in a series on the 14th of March. I was in a series called Clarity. Clarity. And then the pandemic broke out. Clarity. And, within, and three weeks later, I was in a series called Uncharted. So I went from Clarity to Uncharted in three weeks. And, and that's been the way life has been for the last 18 months. It's been, it's been insane. But in the middle of all of that, there's something taking place in the body of Christ. Now, we're, we're all, if you've been around church at all, you read this, you hear this, you believe this, that when things start to go really bad in the world, the church is supposed to kind of rise up, right? We believe that when there's persecution, that the church grows ultimately, right? Like we believe that. And I, I believe that as well. Uh, but when all of this started to happen, I started to get concerned because all of a sudden, I started to realize that we weren't good at a few things. Like there's a few things that I thought we were good at that we weren't good at. I realized that even though we were growing and we had an auditorium that was full, maybe we weren't good at that relationship because when the pandemic happened, nobody had relationship. I learned that maybe we weren't so good at prayer, that maybe we weren't so good at communication. Maybe we hadn't discipled people the right way because all of a sudden, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people just stopped going to church. And listen, it sounds great to say they were watching you online, but you all know you weren't. Some of you were, but some of you were watching us online while you were making an omelet because I saw you post it on Instagram. Some of you were walking your dog with your ear pods, with your mask on in a park where you weren't supposed to be. In Denver, that was a $1,000 fine, but you weren't really watching in church. And then all of a sudden, people started to just kind of fall off. And then all of a sudden, the pandemic starts to, ch to change. And then people don't come back to church. Most churches in America are down by still, down by 60% of their pre-COVID attendance. And at first, you kind of get insecure about that. You're like, where's all my people? Where's all my people? Let's be super honest. Where's all the tithe? Oh, my goodness, Jesus. I got bills to pay. I got a mortgage. I got, I got people on staff. But you know what? There's something that's happening in the spirit. When you take everything away, you realize who you really are. When it all goes, you realize, you realize what you really have. And if you don't have something that you thought you have, this is an opportunity for the body of Christ to come back and get a hold of some of those things. Because we, it's nice to say, hey, the church is going to grow. We're going to come back. It's going to be better than ever. And I believe that. But without the thing that I'm going to talk about this morning, it won't happen. Because what, this, what I want to deal with this morning is what drives us to go backwards, maybe even back into the Bible, back to the book of Acts. What, how was the church birthed? What was the church made of? What made it happen? We have to strip away all the stuff. Let's just be super honest, right? Just do services today. This is the last one. Um, I might say anything. You know, the first service, I try to say everything properly so I don't get in trouble. And then you get through that one. And then this one, I could say anything, Literally anything could come out of my mouth, but I am their pastor, so I have permission. Um, 
I, the church has been Instagram-driven. It has been celebrity-driven. It has been about looks and performance and gear and lights. And everybody, every church plant that's out there, I did it, he did it. When you're trying to grow the church, you take your Instagram out, you take a picture, but you never take it in front. You always take it in back. You find one hand in the air. You put the camera right behind it so that there's a little effect on your hand. And then you can't see how many people are actually in the room. So that when people see the Instagram, it, the filter should be called the church looks bigger than it is filter. And then all of a sudden, we're trying to convince the whole world that we're bigger than we are so that we can draw people into the services. But then when they get here, guess what happens? We are not what we sold them. And then all of a sudden, we aren't who they thought they were when they come in. And by the way, is that what they're looking for? Because that bothers me too. Are they looking for a church of a certain size? Because they think that, that, that like if you come in and the attendance is like big, all of a sudden they must be more spiritual. Well, we all learned that that's not the case because attendance has nothing to do with spirituality. And all of a sudden, God just starts tearing things out of our lives to get us into a place where we just got to be who God's called us to be. You know, who are we really as God's people? It's a really big deal. And, and it's sad to say that maybe true identity in Christ is what is uncharted. It's not, it's not how do you build your church or what, you know, how do you get your attendance back or what do you do because of the tithe? Maybe none of that. Maybe the uncharted part of church right now is our own identity. Because isn't our identity, the most powerful thing that we possess at the end of the day. If you know who you are in Christ, no one can tell you anything else. No one can tell you anything else. No one can change your mind. Nobody can, nobody can steal that from you. If you don't know who you are, the Bible says that we get thrown away, around like, you know, in, in the waves of the sea. And so I want to talk this morning about this subject, and it's a, it's a simple thing. It sounds really Christianese, but I have a feeling that as the church has been kind of deconstructed or dismantled in a sense, that this is what God is doing. And it's going to sound Christianese when I say it, okay? But it's the subject of spiritual hunger. Because it's hunger that drives anybody to do anything. It's hunger that drives people in sin to do sin. And it's hunger that drives spiritual people into the presence of God. And if you've been in the presence of God, and the presence of God has touched you, you can't wait to get back in it. Because there's nothing like it. Right? And the presence of God has nothing to do with the room, or the instruments, or the stage. And I just, I just feel like spiritual hunger is kind of, what's been happening. All right, so a couple of points. We'll go through this, and we'll be done this morning. Number one, I want to talk, tell you about a couple of signs of spiritual hunger that I've, I've experienced. And um, Psalms 143, 143, verse 6, I spread forth my hands unto you, my soul thirsts after you like in a weary land. This is where we've all been at for the last 18 months. We know a lot of people, I've got a lot of friends, church is growing, all that. But can I tell you that a year and a half ago, I found myself in my car with my hands spread to just to Jesus saying, Jesus, I am so hungry. I am so thirsty. I am so empty. I can't lead anything. I don't know what to do. Everything is shut down. And I'm telling you, something happened when you get to this place. My soul thirsts after you in a weary land. 
God has a way of putting us in a weary place so that our soul will thirst. And when we thirst, he answers. It says, make haste to answer me. My spirit fails. Hide not your face from me. And this is when we've, where we've been. Over the last couple of years, there have been some signs that I've been watching that have concerned me a little bit. Um, yeah, I, I come originally from Hawaii. I didn't really grow up there, but I've spent time there. And I love the water. I love to surf. One of the things that you learn that you learn around the water is how to look for waves. So if you surf, you, you know how to tell a wave is coming before it actually gets there. So you actually watch the horizon. And out on the ocean, you'll actually see the water level kind of come up on the horizon, maybe even three to four inches. And, and you just kind of watch it. And when that happens, you know that a, that a wave is, is on its way. And, and I've felt this way for a long time because I feel like there's been some hunger in me that's started to, to come back in a, in a fresh way. So I've been watching this and watching the church and watching pastors who struggle and, and watching the value system of the church change a little bit. And I'm thinking, I know that when we get to a place where we're kind of messed up, God's going to show up. I, I just know it. So as the world started, has started to fall apart in the last few years, I've watched the, the level on the horizon of the Holy Spirit begin to go up. And they're always, they always happen at the same time. So there was a sign to me. When I look around the world and things look a little weird, I, I, it's a sign. The next thing is I'm looking at the next generation. The next generation has concerned me a little bit. Um, because the next generation is always a sign of their parents' hunger. See, children have a tendency to have the same appetite as their parents. So if you're Italian and you eat Italian food, in your house, your kids are going to love Italian food, right? And they're going to wave their arms around like crazy people when they talk. That's what you do, okay? Okay, it's in the genetics. And so, but, so, but for me and my family, it's, uh, it's Asian food, right? Because I'm, I'm, I'm half, maybe a little more than I'm Asian, Filipino. I, everything at my house is Asian, Asian food. I grew up, we didn't, my mom didn't even have forks. We used chopsticks. I'm telling you the truth. There were years, I don't even remember using a fork, right? And in my house, my kids grew up on hot sauce. And they love hot sauce, but specifically one hot sauce. I wish there was a Greek word for this so that I could justify it. But I love sriracha. Anybody, any sriracha fancy? See, see there's, an, there's a national addiction that, that it's going to take us years to overcome if, you know, should we have an ulcer. And, um, but it's, it's sriracha. My, fam, my kids have been eating sriracha since they were tiny. I mean, it was like, you know, I didn't know the difference between a bottle of formula and a bottle of sriracha. You know, shove that thing in their mouth. My kids were like, let's go. At four or five years old, they were eating sriracha. And so when the whole world falls apart, Right? When the whole world falls apart. Now, you remember this. Remember going to the store the first couple of weeks? And there was a rush on the supermarkets? Oh, my goodness. I have pictures of it. Walmart was empty. Right? Target was empty. All the supermarkets were empty. People were having fist fights in Walmart. You know what I mean? Those are still some of the best videos in YouTube. you got to watch them. If you want to just remember the pandemic, watch the Walmart fights because they're incredible. And then, like... People were fighting over hamburger and chicken 
people would line up and just wait for the guy to show up in the truck around our, by our house with the, with the hamburger. And people would fight over that, but not my family. We weren't concerned about chicken. We weren't concerned with hamburger. We weren't concerned with like anything else that really should sustain you. My family was afraid the world would run out of sriracha. Oh, it's my phone. We'll, we'll leave it. We'll just leave it because it'll fall again. So I said to my children, you guys realize that, that there's a pandemic going on and the world, can run, we're going to run out of sriracha. My kids literally, I'm, I'm not even, I'm kind, you know, I'm a preacher. I like to talk, but I'm telling you, my kids were almost in tears. The look of panic on their face was complete. You guys, I'm telling you, they, my son, my daughter, they looked like they were going to cry. And I said, we have one mission in this global pandemic. We're going to find sriracha. So we go to this big supermarket. We go buy the hamburger. We go past the chicken. We go past all the grumpy people trying to get whatever they like. And I head straight for the sriracha. And I walk down the aisle because, you know, I, I know where it is. I look up on the top shelf. And on the top shelf, I can tell there are six big bottles of sriracha. And I look there and I thank the Lord Jesus Christ. From, I thank him. And sometimes you got to, I was thanking him all the way there. You know, it's an old message, but you got to thank him before the miracle. You know what I'm saying? You got to thank him. You want the miracle to come, you got to thank him before the miracle happens. That's how you, that's how the kingdom is. So I'm thanking him. I'm standing in front of these bottles of sriracha and I turn to the right. And there's another like half Filipino guy standing next to me staring at the top shelf. I just kind of nodded at him. He looks at me, smiles. It was like a kung fu fight was about to happen over two, like six bottles of hot sauce. And he looks at me, and I looked at him, and I said, I'll tell you what, we'll split them. And he kind of laughs, and I laughed. He takes three. And then we, we like, this is really weird, too. I just remember this morning. We actually, as we were walking, we hid them. Like, you know, like, like, like anyone else in the store wanted the, you know, the hot sauce. We hid them. Like, watch out, there's another Filipino guy down by the hamburger. You know, I get home, my kids had brought home sweet potatoes, canned corn, and whatever else they could find because there was nothing left, but we had our hot sauce. But my kids, their hunger reflects their parents. My concern is that when I look at the lack of hunger in the, this generation that's coming up, I don't ask what is happening to them. I ask what happened to their parents. And if we really want to see God move in revival, then it's their parents. It's people that are in their 20s, 30s, 40s, and 50s. We have to find our hunger again so that when our kids are watching us, they're saying, why is my, my dad hunger, hungry for that? I want that. Dad, what is it that you're hungry for? Son, I'm hungry for revival. Well, what's revival? I'll tell you what revival is. Revival is when God moves and all your friends get saved and things happen that you've only heard stories about and it can happen, but, but right now, son, I'm going to pray. And then all of a sudden our kids start to pray. I've been concerned about that because our kids are being raised on a social media church. Now, social media is important and, and so is communication and so is advertising. And I get all that. But, but the church, if, if you really want to serve Jesus, you want to understand how the church works, there is no filter for that. Because there, there's only who you are and who Jesus is. That's it. And people and young people will come in and they'll look at us and they'll know the truth. They'll know if we're really passionate for God. They know it if we mean what we say. They'll know it and it won't be because we have the right instruments or the right screen or the right graphic. 
That's why in the rest of the world, they can have revival and the church can move powerfully all over the globe and they don't have anything. Some of them don't even have instruments. But we get up in America and we start spending our money and things. If we don't have that, we can't have revival. If we don't have that, we can't have revival. If I don't look like that, I can't have revival. And God comes along and he just takes it and he shreds it and he says, okay, I'm gonna take it all away from you. Now let's see if we can get you hungry again. This is how revival works. So God speaks all through the Bible, you guys. He speaks all through the Bible on the subject of hunger in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. And when I started to study it, I realized that it was a consistent, consistent subject in every chapter, in every book of the Bible, there's things about hunger. And I realized something, that God did that in Scripture because he knows that man has a tendency to follow their appetite more than their purpose. That we have have lost the ability to discern between appetite and hunger. Appetite is what we want. Hunger is what we need. Appetite is what we crave. Hunger is what our body needs to function. You know, God, we gotta go after the right stuff. So I wanna talk about that just for a minute. First, let let me define appetite for you. There's this, A verse in the Bible that hit me like it's never hit me before. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 4, it actually is a quote from the Old Testament, which I'll show you. But Jesus answered this. It is written that man shall not live by bread alone. And all of a sudden, in a global pandemic, and there's no bread, and you go, huh. So there's a natural bread, and there's a spiritual bread. Man cannot live the way he was created, by the way, created by God. Man was created by God who was supernatural, not by man who was natural. So God is the one who provided the bread, but we've forgotten that he was the provider and the creator of the bread, and we think that the bread is the point. God is the point. Man shall not live by bread, he said, alone. So the very fact that he said that says that there's something else that we have to have to live. If we want to live, we have to get our eyes off of the natural things. And he uses the metaphor of hunger all through the New Testament. So then you realize something about appetite. Okay, so check this out. Appetite is the desire to eat. Hunger is a cue from the body that there's a need. Appetite is what we like. All right, we could do a survey that when you leave here, most people, when they leave church and they go to eat, they don't look for, they don't look for food because of their hunger. Like, I'm hungry. I'm going to go get things that are healthy for me. You know what I'm saying? No one does that. Like, I don't know if any of you need prayer, but like, when I leave church, I, there's, a, there's a restaurant we have called Mad Greens. Just think about the name. If all I ate was greens, I would be mad. That's what I hear. That's what I hear. I don't leave, I don't leave church going, let's go to Mad Greens. I leave church according, now my hunger is speaking, but my appetite is ruling. Are you following me? Right? My hunger is speaking, but my appetite is ruling. So when I leave, I go to what I like, right? I like Chick-fil-A. That's just the way it is. Millions of chickens off the earth, gone. I'm sorry, it's a chicken massacre. I love Chick-fil-A, except on what day? Sunday. It's, it's, it's not right. 
And if it's not that, I like Asian food, so I like ramen. I leave the church, I think about ramen. I, I believe that there's ramen in heaven. I believe that there's going to be chopsticks and ramen in heaven. And when I go there, I'm going to sit down with Jesus. We're going to take out some chopsticks, and we're going to talk about all the stories that I didn't get to see. Tell me about Moses. Tell me about the part. And we're just going to be eating ramen. Because my appetite, that's what I like. But appetite is what we like. Hunger is speaking to something that we need. That's why we fast, right? Because sometimes when we fast, we're, we're getting reconnected with what we need, not just what we want. I don't know if any of you are fasting. I know I'm a pastor, and I, I confess this. It doesn't matter to me. I'm trying to be honest. I don't like fasting. I only fast because it's in the Bible. There is no other reason. There's no reason to not eat. God did not create me to walk around and not eat can't fulfill any purpose that way, you know? So I fast. I fast for three days. It's hard. But if you've been on an, on, an, on an extensive fast, like a longer fast, it's no joke. And something happens in your body and in your mind. That's why we fast. When you fast three days, you think about what you want. I want ramen. And in three days from now, I'm going to have ramen. When you fast 10 days, your body starts to shut down. And all of a sudden, you're not really hungry, but your mind, and this is when something happens in your mind, but your mind is telling you, but I like ramen, I want some, but it's not because of hunger. And then as you get into, if you've ever done longer fasts, some of you are like, I've never done that. That doesn't sound fun at all. If you have that look on your face, like, I never want to do that. Um, but when you get to 10 days, 15 days, 20 days, your body actually starts to shut down. It actually begins to devour itself, and then your body is in need. But, but while your body's in need, something happens up here. Your body doesn't crave what you like anymore. You get, to, you get to later on in an extended fast, your body begins to speak to you about what it needs to, to function. When you start to crave things on an extended fast, when you start to have hunger, you don't crave like a giant hamburger. The very thought of it makes you sick. Why is it that when you've been fasting, you don't think about pizza? It makes you sick. And there might be something wrong with us. I, th I thought there was. Because I woke up one day thinking, mad greens. <laughs> mad greens. Like, have you ever had a good tomato? I started having arguments with people about tomatoes that were grown in a garden as opposed to the, get them at the supermarket. And I'm in a conversation and I'm having an argument about what a good tomato is. I thought, oh my God, there's something wrong with me. Because I was craving a good tomato. Because all of a sudden now, I wanted something. I needed something that would sustain me, not rule me. And the church has been ruled by their appetite. The church has developed an appetite, but lost the ability to hear its hunger. It's a huge deal, and I think that's what God is. That's what God is doing. And I, I feel like if we can just continue to move in the way that we're, we're going, I think God's going to restore something um, for all of us. I know this, though. I, I know this for sure in the church. And I'm going to say it right. But I know that if we can stay hungry, we will never live empty. Empty people are just full of everything except the things of God. So, okay, that's appetite. Now a little bit about hunger. I'll go quickly here. A little bit, a bit about hunger. 
Deuteronomy 8, verse 3. He humbled you and let you be hungry, and he fed you with manna that you did not know. Speaking of Israel. So he, sometimes God actually allows us to be hungry so that we'll crave something different. It's right there. But we don't know it. We don't know what it is, right? So manna, God allowed them to be hungry so that they could be fed by manna. Hunger and manna. But the problem with manna is like manna is not like a tortilla. You know what I'm saying? Like manna is not like, like those great tortillas you buy at the store. Manna is not good. It's hard. It's kind of weird. But this manna is different even from that. This manna actually came from heaven. Manna from heaven. That's how they ate. You can't buy this manna at the store. You can't order it on Amazon. You can't get a recipe from one of your friends and bake it. The manna that they had only came from God. God had to be enough for them. Is God enough for us? Is manna enough for you? If he takes everything away, is manna enough? I want to be in a place where I know he is. Now, I've been compiling this list of things over the last few months. Things that I've learned in the middle of the pandemic. And, and, and some are funny, some are serious, but it's like I need to assess if God's enough in me. Like, where am I at? But I've been making this list of all these things that I've learned. I want to share some of these things. I won't do all of them, but I'll share some of them. The first one is only for the ladies, okay? Only for the ladies because the men will not understand, okay? I learned with two daughters and a wife that about six months into the pandemic that lashes are the new lips, And the reason why none of the men are laughing is because you don't get it. Lashes are the new lips because we're in a, but in a mask and you used to wear lipstick and now none of them wear lipstick, no lipstick anymore. But they just, they just do their eyes now because no one sees anything but their eyes. And here's the problem. I thought, I thought that lashes came with the body. I didn't know how much they cost. I didn't know they were expensive. You know, I thought they were just a gift from God. And all of a sudden, we're, we're like, how do we, we got to have lashes. I'm like, God gave you lashes, and they're more expensive than lipsticks. And we, we, we had all these discussions about things I didn't want to know, ever, <laughs> literally ever. I learned that there's a little doomsday prepper in everybody. I think some of you are like, like I woke up one day in the pandemic, and I started looking around the house for places I could store stuff. You know, I was like, what happens if this doesn't end? We need, to, we need to do a sriracha search in the whole Denver metro area. You know, we need 20 years of EMR sriracha bottles, you know. And, like, what do we do? What about bread? What about water? All of a sudden I woke up and I'm like, I'm like a prepper, man. I'm, like, getting ready for anything that could happen. I also realized that maybe I never did wash my hands enough. Just maybe. You know, it's like you don't really think about it. Guys don't think about it too much. We try, but it's like. But I, th I woke up thinking about like 50 years of not washing my hands, and it was horrifying. I, w I, went, I went to the airport. I was on a flight when I'd seen these guys last. I was on this flight, and I'm in the bathroom, and like five guys walk into the bathroom. Five like dudes, five manly men walk in. You know what I mean? I'm like, 
you know, here's the thing. Oh, so they're all in there, and we're all, okay. <laughs> two things, two things you need to know, two things you need to know. Number one, men never, never talk to each other in the bathroom. Never. Like, that could get you beat up. I'm just saying, like, don't talk to me. Don't even look at me. That's not what we do. We don't talk. The women go in there, and you have conferences in bathrooms. Like, you sell tickets. You make, you, you record albums in there. I don't know what you're doing. Men don't talk in the bathroom. Right? And we never, we never, like, we don't go together. So anyways, I'm in there, and this guy, this guy goes to the bathroom and walks out without washing his hands. And one of the other guys, just out of nowhere, because I don't know if I'd ever heard a man's voice in a bathroom. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not joking. Maybe if two guys know each other, hey, what's up, bro? That's it. That's all you ever heard. I heard one guy go, bro, did you see that? And two guys were talking to each other. And the other guy goes, I did, bro. What's up with that dude? Like, who does he think he is? Like, what's going on with that? And another dude's like, I'm thinking the same thing, bro. And all of a sudden, I'm over in the corner going, yeah, let's get, get him. Get him. And all of a sudden, it's like we're having a conversation. And I, I know Armageddon must be upon us. But I also, you know, I learned a couple of other things. You know, I learned, like, work can really happen from anywhere. You know what I'm saying? These are all lessons you learn. I learned that that um, nothing really changed for my introverted friends. You know, like, the pandemic didn't change them or anything. My middle daughter is a total introvert, and we were in, like, six months, and Don and I were sitting down, and we're like, got all the kids for a family meeting. How are you? How do you feel? What are you going through? And, you know, my 15-year-old son's like, I need my friends. I need my friends. You know, my oldest daughter's crying for a generation. She's our youth pastor. You know, my little daughter's like, so I said, Tessa, how are you? She goes, can I be honest? I was like, yes. Please share. She goes, like, like the pandemic happened, Dad. And she's like, I had to go to my room for six months and read books. I've been praying for that my whole life. <laughs> my whole life. Like, this has been the best six months of my whole life. And, like, you guys were really down and everything, and I knew that you would buy me any book I wanted. And so I, I kind of have to confess, I acted a little sad so that you would buy me that whole series. <laughs> you know, I was like, oh. But you know what else I learned in the middle of the pandemic? Here, here, it is, here it is. I learned that the young people in our church had never worshipped without a band or never prayed without being led. Like I don't know if they'd ever stood in a room by themselves and just prayed, if they had a prayer life or, you know, it's like we have to hold their ha people's hand for everything. And I woke up one day, wait a minute, we're holding people's hands for everything. And when you go to back to, the, to Acts chapter 2, it says that the disciples devoted themselves. None of the apostles were there. And if we learn to devote ourselves, do we know what it means to get into prayer, to read our word in the middle of a pandemic? If we're locked in our room, we still have a relationship with Jesus? Or are we sitting around crying because if we don't have our friends and we don't have this and we don't have this? I don't even know if I can serve God. My whole, you know what? Sometimes God takes away everything so that we can learn to eat manna. I learned that people have been discipled more by the news than their Bible. 
I've learned that Christians really do equate Christianity with buildings. I've learned that pastors weren't very healthy. I've learned that the Christians turned on each other a lot faster than I thought they would. I learned that I love being with people. Online's not enough for me. I've learned that I had a lot of friends who had a tendency to feed my appetite instead of cultivate my hunger. And when things got bad, appetite friends aren't there. And when we got into the middle of the pandemic and when Donna and I needed a few people in our lives, the appetite friends disappeared. I thought they were my best friends. You know what? God bless them. I love them. But the people, the people who walk with us, the people who cared about us, the people who want us to be hungry for God, who care about us as leaders and pastors, they haven't left our side. And I realize there's a difference. I'm looking for different friends now. I've learned that, that the person who takes the COVID test doesn't need to scrape your brain. I think she's just angry at the whole world. Right? You know what I'm saying? I mean, I mean, have you had a COVID test? Some of you are like, oh, it was nothing for me. I had a lady that went for my brain. I think she was just mad. I've found that family and friends are the best medicine. I've learned that coaching and discipling others is more important than being recognized. And I've learned that encouragement is more powerful than criticism. I have enough critics. I have enough critics more encouragers. I've learned that the more empty everything in the world feels, the more hungry I am for the presence of God. And this is the crux of the issue. I've made a new commitment to grow. And I've made a new commitment to help our church grow. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18, but grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord of Jesus Christ. And here's the word. The word grow in, in the original language means to develop. Develop means to grow, cause to grow, or to become mature. I think that the, the body of Christ wasn't very mature in the last 18 months. You know, my, my 17-year-old son is still growing, and he's, he eats everything. He, he eats, he's 17, he eats for 17 people. It's nonstop, every day, all day long. It's all we ever talk about, you know, it really is. that The first thing he says is, what are we going to have for dinner? It's like, where's this? Did you get my snacks? You know, and then he, when he was a kid, when he was a baby, if there wasn't meat, he would cry just over meat. Literally, he would cry. Is there any meat? No, it's no meat. It's mad greens. And, but he's growing. But do you, know, do you know what's interesting about him? He is, he is changing because he's active and he's growing. He's, he's maturing he's active and he's growing. If, if we want to grow spiritually, we have to commit to grow and we've got to be active. And I think that we've got to change the last season of inactivity. And God wants us to be more active in the kingdom. So we need to make a fresh commitment to be led by hunger, not appetite. Romans chapter 8, verse 14. All who are led by, by God's spirit are God's children. Hunger always leads us somewhere. Hunger after church today will lead you to a restaurant. Hunger for your, your children will lead them to the fridge. Um, and what I, what I think is, has happened, and, and again, none of us will ever really understand you know, the, 
the big questions in the world, like, you know, why did God allow this to happen? Right? It's like all these things. What we can do is look at the world and, and recognize that this might be the greatest opportunity for the church that any of us will ever have in our lifetime because people are hungry for something. Some people don't know they're hungry for Jesus. They don't know that it's Jesus. That's our job. Christians who are empty are now hungry for something authentic. People who have been living off of, off of a filtered church and an Instagram life, caring so much about every little thing that seems to matter to the world, those people are waking up one day and they're thinking, no, my, my, my spiritual body is speaking to me. I can't live by bread alone anymore. I can't do it. Bread's not enough for me. I need the bread of life. I need the presence of Jesus. So this is, this is what I think is happening. And I want to pray for you, okay, this morning before we go. Because this is, not just, this is not just us today. It's our church back in Denver. I think around the world, there is a fresh hunger. And when hunger happens, revival is the very next season. Revival is always the season that follows hunger. And I'm believing for it. Can you believe for that with me? We stand to your feet. Let me pray. We're going to ask Jesus to fill us today. Um, just do me a favor. And first of all, can you just shout amen? Come on. God is so good. God is so good. Um, bow your heads with me. Close your eyes. Uh, I know that, I know that, that uh, this is just how it works. But there are people here. You have felt so empty in this last season. You have felt so empty in the last 18 months. There's just something inside of you. God has been speaking to you. You have a new sense of hunger in your spirit, and you're just ready. You know that God is speaking to you. You've got to get over some of the other stuff. Your, your spiritual person is saying the hunger is real. We need the presence of Jesus. Some people here have struggled with this emptiness. They've struggled with this hunger for so long. This is a season for God to come and fill that place in your life heads bowed, eyes closed. If you know that that's you, you know that you need Jesus to fill a place that you now recognize has been empty. Can you please lift your hand? And I'm going to pray for you and then I'm off the stage. But Father, I thank you for every hand that is lifted in this room. I thank you, God, that you love us more than we could ever fathom, more than we love ourselves. You, you love us with an unfathomable, unquestionable, irrevocable love. And Father, I pray that you would fill these people that have their hands up and those that didn't. We love you so much. We need you so desperately. And we know, Father, that if you'll fill them, they will be able to move and to function according to the purpose of God. We have to live hungry. We have to live hungry. If we live hungry, we will never be empty. And I pray, Jesus, that you would take away the emptiness that is inside of them and fill that with the presence of Jesus, the eternal hunger for the things of God. I love you today, Father. Will you strengthen them? Will you bless them? Will you heal them? Will you speak to them about who they are? Some of them have been so beat up and lied to about who they are. And people have, have spoken criticism to them and brought them down and pulled them down in the name 
name of Jesus right now, we lift you up and we say you are who God says you are. He designed you and created you. The Bible says you are beautifully and wonderfully made in the image and the likeness of God. God loves you. He is the master workman, craftsman who puts you together and the enemy cannot tell you who you, who you are. It's Jesus. God wants to heal you from that today. Father, I thank you for what you're doing in this room. Now, church, I want everyone to lift your hands with me. Come on, just, just for a moment and repeat this. Say, Father, Lord Jesus, we're so grateful that you love us. Thank you, Father, for forgiving me of all my stuff. There's a lot of it. Thank you, Jesus, for your grace. And today, fill me and inside of me, let me be hungry. I give you my appetite. I give you everything. Let there be hunger in my heart for the presence of Jesus. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you again for joining us on the Combo Church Podcast. Special shout out to those who give so generously to Combo Church. It's because of you that this ministry is even possible. If you want to sow into the ministry, go to combochurch.com and simply click the Give button. It's that easy. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe, follow, take a screenshot, and share it on your social stories and tag us at Combo Church. Thanks again for listening, and make sure you tune in to the next episode of the Combo Church Podcast.